amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hi, friends. How are you today? My name is Bailey Sarian, and today is Monday, which means it's murder, mystery, and makeup Monday. I drooled a little bit. If you are new here, hi. My name is Bailey Sarian, and on Mondays, I sit down and I talk about a true crime story that's been heavy on my noggin and I do my makeup at the same time. If you're interested in true crime and you like makeup, I would highly suggest you hit that subscribe button because I'm here for you on Mondays. I'm out of breath. I would say Jodi Arias, Casey Anthony, Scott Peterson, JonBenet Ramsey are like the top four that always get requested. It's still interesting for those of you who don't know this story, this story is wild. This one might be long and I know I still missed stuff. So Scott was born to his mother, Jackie, and his father, Lee, on October 24th, 1972 um, in San Diego, California. Now Jackie, Scott's mom, she had like been through some shit. You know what I'm saying? When Scott's mom was just two years old, her father was actually murdered just before Christmas. After this, Jackie's mom, she suffered a mental breakdown. I mean, who can blame her? She has a young baby. She just lost her husband. So yeah, she had a mental breakdown and she couldn't really take care of her baby anymore. So she placed Jackie up uh, for adoption, or I'm sorry, she placed her in an orphanage known as a Nazareth house until she was in high school. And then she moved back home and took care of her mother while attending Catholic school. Then she found out she was pregnant at the age of 19 and ended up giving her son up for adoption. Jackie then had another child that she also decided to give up for adoption as well. In 1966, she had John and when he was four years old, she met Scott's father, Lee, at community college. And between the two of them, they had five children until they got married a year later. And then came Scott. Scott's dad, Lee, he started a crating company, which became a family business. Jackie owned a boutique and the family, like they were doing pretty well. They were very well off. Growing up, his family said that Scott liked to hunt, he liked to golf and he liked to fish. So once Scott graduated high school, oh, mind you, there really wasn't much said about Scott's upbringing. Once he graduated high school, he initially went to Arizona State University on a golfing scholarship. So he was like pretty dang good, but he ended up being kicked off of the golf team because in college he was just partying too much, partying, drinking, and girls. He was getting a little carried away with it all. So he was removed from the team and then he ended up transferring to another college and then ended up at Cal Poly State University. And it was said as soon as he got to Cal Poly, that's when like he started taking school a little bit more seriously and he became a model student. At this point, Scott also 
uh, decided to kind of grow up a bit, started paying for things on his on his own instead of relying on help from his parents. So Lacey was born May 4th, 1974 to Sharon and Dennis, who also had already like an older son named Brent. But about a year after Lacey's birth, Sharon and Dennis ended up divorcing and Sharon remarried to a man named Ron a year later. I know it's kind of like a lot of names, is it? I don't know feels that way. Lacey lived with her mom, stepfather Ron, and Brent, and the family seemed to be like really close, even as Lacey got older. Meaning like, you know, teenagers, they tend to stray away, but she seemed to be very close with them. Lacey and Brent would stay with their dad on the farm every weekend, and that's where Lacey like grew a love for gardening. Lacey's family was considered middle class, and she grew up with like an all-American lifestyle. She enjoyed cheerleading. She always had friends over. Lacey also went to Cal Poly in August of 1993, and she ended up receiving an outstanding freshman award. Lacey ended up meeting Scott in December of 1994 while visiting her friend that worked at the Pacific Cafe that Scott also worked at at the time. Now I guess Scott showed some interest in Lacey. The two seemed to really hit it off and Lacey gave him her phone number and they started seeing each other. Lacey was so excited about Scott. She ends up calling her mom and she tells her that she thought this was the one. So Lacey tells her mom like, come out and you know, I want you to come meet him. So Lacey takes her mom to the Pacific Cafe that Scott worked at and they were just gonna have dinner, but also it was a way for Lacey's mom to meet Scott. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So Scott greeted them at the door and held a special table for them where he had a dozen red roses for Lacey and a dozen white roses for Sharon, her mom. He's scoring some major points, you know? Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen today's story. Scott and Lacey were hanging out all the time. And, you know, college students, they would go over to Scott's parents' house to do some laundry and have a home-cooked meal. Lacey and Scott's mom really hit it off. They enjoyed, they both enjoyed gardening, but also they would watch Martha Stewart together and just bond. Lacey and Scott ended up getting married in August of 1997. Both Lacey and Scott's families were pretty pretty dang close. Everyone seemed to like really like each other and it just seemed so happy. I don't know where it went wrong. Lacey graduated from college in December of 1997 and Scott graduated that next summer in June of 98. So once Scott graduated, that's when they started to plan 
their next steps in life, you know? Scott's parents gave him part of their business, which he sold and used the money to open the shack, which was a sports bar slash restaurant. And then when the couple was ready to settle down, they sold the business and they moved to Modesto, California in June of 2000. Scott's parents gifted the couple $30,000 to use for a down payment on a home. So they're super excited. And they put that towards a cute little home nearby. Lacey then began working as a substitute teacher while Scott worked as a sales rep for a fertilizer company. They made a good amount of money and they started upgrading their home. They added a built-in pool at their house, you know what I'm saying? That's how you know when they got some money, when they get that built-in and not the overground pool. And then Scott's dad gifted him another $30,000, but this was gonna go towards the Del Rio Country Club, which is like a private club in Modesto where you have to be invited in to be a member and you pay lots of money, obviously, to play golf, tennis, drink, eat, work out, just live like the bougie life. So at this point, Scott and Lacey, they have their own home. They've been married for a little bit. They're doing well financially. So they decide that, you know, they're ready for that next stage in life. They wanted to start a family. So Scott and Lacey tried for about three years to get pregnant, but they weren't having much luck. So they talked about the option of adoption, but then Lacey Surprise, surprise, she ends up pregnant. And it was said that the two of them were just thrilled. Now, while Lacey was pregnant, she tried her best to stay fit. She would go on walks, she would take yoga classes and tried her best to like eat clean, eat kind of healthy, you know? Later in her pregnancy, Lacey mentioned to family members that she was getting sick while she was walking, just walking. So she's taking her dog out for a walk and she said that she just got like uncontrollably sick. She was afraid she was gonna pass out. And after taking a little break from walking, Lacey attempted to go on a walk again with her dog and the same thing started to happen. She talked to the doctor and he said that she should stop walking and just start resting more. So Lacey says that she stops walking. Now this may not sound important, but it is, and it will apply later. So around November, 2002, Lacey decided it would be best if she quit her job as a substitute teacher because this pregnancy was just getting rough. She wasn't feeling well and she was extremely uncomfortable. So luckily enough, like she could quit her job, you know? During this time, Scott buys a 14 foot aluminum boat. And it's just like a meh boat, nothing special, but it was weird because he never mentioned it to anyone. He never mentioned to anyone that he was buying this boat. We're not sure if Lacey knew or not about the boat, but she was also the type of person who would say something to her mom or family like, oh yeah, Scott bought a boat. Lacey's father was an avid fisher. So like boat, you know? So Lacey's trying her best to handle, you know, the pregnancy. Now Scott, Scott was handling the pregnancy in other ways. So Scott had this acquaintance. This is where like things get weird to me because it's like, whatever. Scott has this acquaintance. It's a female friend. This friend was like, Scott, 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 you need to meet this friend of mine. Her name is Amber Fry. And I just think you two would really hit it off. And Scott's friend just talked him into going on a date with Amber and gave him Amber's number. So not a great friend, but Okay, don't be that shitty friend, some of you. So Scott gets the number, right? He chooses to call Amber 
and he leaves her a voicemail saying like, hey, my friend, she mentioned you and thought, you know, we should connect. So Amber ends up getting in touch with Scott. You know, I guess sometime during the conversation, Scott describes to Amber what he looks like on the phone. And he's like, I'm not very tall, I'm overweight, I have a belly and I have long greasy hair. That's how what he tells Amber. My first thought was like, maybe he's trying to downplay himself because he looks like Ben Affleck. Let's be honest here, he does. Brothers, almost, I don't know. My thought was like, maybe he's trying to downplay himself so she would say no to like the date because he knew he couldn't say no or he was just trying to be funny. Either way, that's how he described himself. And I guess Amber was like, what? Long greasy hair, hot. So they decide to meet at the Elephant Bar in Fresno on November 20th, 2002. So after they meet at the bar, they decide to go get Japanese food, but Scott said that he needed to check into his hotel and asked if she wanted to come with him. So he got a hotel room. They, the two of them, they go to the room and he um, decides to take a shower and get dressed for dinner. Meanwhile, she's in the room with him. So, I mean, that's kind of like a weird first date. Could you imagine on your first date meeting someone, they're like, come up to my room. I'm gonna take a shower. Unless they're just trying to fuck. Anyways, so they go up to the hotel room together. Scott takes a shower and then he gets dressed. And then the two of them enjoy some strawberries and champagne. And then they decide to like go out and get something to eat. They talked about Amber being a massage therapist. And he told her that he was single and living in Sacramento. And with his job, he had a warehouse in Modesto. Scott told Amber that he was going to Alaska for Thanksgiving and then to Maine and for New Year's he was going to Paris, France and would be traveling all over Europe in January for business. Then they go back to Scott's hotel room where Amber stayed with him that night. Now I'm not quite sure where Lacey was at this time. I'm assuming she's at home or like with her family, but I'm not sure like what he told Lacey in order to get away with this. I'm assuming it was probably like work. He had to do something for work, but I, yeah, I couldn't find a straight answer, but that happened, douche. So Thanksgiving approaches and Scott and Lacey, they went down to San Diego to see or stay with Scott's family. And then while they were there, they decided to go to Disneyland. It was said that during the trip or their day trip to Disneyland, uh, Lacey was just miserable. Um, she was super sick. She was uncomfortable. Every time you hear pregnancy stories, it's always so black, black and white. It's like some people freaking love love being pregnant. It's the best thing ever. They're like, oh my God, I glow. My nails are so long. My hair is so long and luscious. Like it's the best thing ever. You know, they're just like so hyped on it. And then there's the other half are like, don't do it. That was the most messed up thing I've ever done. The reviews are very mixed. And plus like the last thing you wanna do when you're pregnant is go to Disneyland. So much walking. It's like, you can't go on anything really, except for like, it's a small world. And you're like, yeah, it's a small world. So when they returned back home, Scott had planned a second date with Amber. They decided to meet on December 2nd and they were gonna go hiking and Amber was going to bring her daughter this time because Scott wanted to meet her. After they went on their hike, they went back to Amber's house, cooked dinner, and then Scott says that he stayed the night at Amber's. Now, a lot of people wanted to hate on Amber, but 
She didn't know, she didn't know. And Scott seemed like an absolute dreamboat. He was turning on the charm, just impressing her pretty much like he had done with Lacey years ago. During this time, Scott was telling Lacey back at home that he was working, work conference, work meeting, you know, work. So three weeks before Christmas, Lacey's grandmother, she passes away. She did leave quite a bit of inheritance. The entire estate totaled around $2 million and it was going to be split um, between Lacey and her two siblings for when they turned 30. On December 9th, Scott asked Amber if he could come over um, because, you know, he needed to tell her something. So he goes over to her house. And when he got there, he just sits at the kitchen table and he starts crying. Amber's thinking, oh geez, here we go. So he's crying and he tells Amber like, I lied to you, I haven't been 100% honest. And she's like, what is it, what? I've been married once before, but she just recently died. And this is gonna be my first Christmas without her. This is what he tells her. Now, his wife isn't dead, she's pregnant at home which is all sorts of suspicious. Now Scott tells Amber that he doesn't want any biological children and that her daughter would be enough for him and that he was open to getting a vasectomy. Maybe this was supposed to make Amber happy or, or, or something, I, we don't know, but she was like, that's a, that's a bit extreme, but okay. So Christmas and all that's approaching and Scott tells Amber that he's going to be traveling the next couple of weeks, but wanted to try, try his absolute best to keep their relationship going while he's traveling the world. On December 15th, Sharon, Lacey's mom, she goes over to Scott's and Lacey's house. And sadly, this would be the last time that she sees her daughter. That evening, um, Scott was supposed to cook lasagna for dinner, but he was running late from work, but really he was at Amber's house. Lacey ends up serving like some frozen dinner situation. Lacey's mom, Sharon, she recalled that Lacey was like really annoyed, but she didn't voice her frustrations to her mom, but you could tell that she was annoyed. So on the morning of Christmas Eve, Scott said that when he got up, Lacey was already up and that she was eating a bowl of cereal and that she had to eat first thing when she got up because if she didn't, she would get sick. But later on down the line, Scott said that when he woke up this morning, they ate cereal together. So his story kind of changed a bit. Scott said that he asked Lacey what she had planned for the day. She was gonna go on a walk that morning. She was also gonna make some gingerbread cookies and then go to the store to buy special bread because she wanted to make French toast. Now, before Scott took off that morning, he loaded three patio umbrellas into his truck to take to his warehouse. A neighbor saw Scott doing this, smiled and waved. He then went back in, filled um, a mop bucket for Lacey so she would clean while he was out. Why don't you clean, Scott? He tells Lacey, I'm going golfing. So he heads out, but he realizes that it's too cold to go golfing. So he went on a fishing trip instead at the Berkeley Marina, which was about 90 miles outside of Modesto. Before going fishing, Scott goes to his warehouse at work because that's where he has that boat, right? So he goes there and he's kind of working on the computer for a bit. And then he ends up leaving at 11.18 a.m. And he purchases a boating ticket at 12.54 p.m. When asked later on, Scott, couldn't say what he was fishing for or when asked what he used to fish with, like what kind of bait and lures he used, he didn't have an answer. He didn't really go fishing ever. It was just very random. Plus on top of that, it's December and he's going fishing at 12.54 PM, which correct me if I'm wrong here, but I did some Googling. So 
I'm a professional, okay? But it's just a terrible time to go fishing. You don't go fishing at this time. I don't fish either. I don't know a damn thing about fishing. Okay, so later on, Scott said that when he went fishing, he gets out there on the water and he realizes that he for he forgot his like bait, which he couldn't even tell you what kind of bait he had, but he forgot it. And then he still tried to fish anyways, but he decided to head back in because he got wet and was cold. So a few people said that they saw Lacey walking her dog around 10 a.m. that morning near the park, but their dog was found alone outside the home, like running around the block, um, and he still had his leash on. On his way home, Scott stops for gas at around 3.25, and then he ends up back at his warehouse around 4.15 p.m. He loaded his boat back into storage and then went home within the next 30 minutes. When Scott got home, that's when he said he saw that the dog was like out in the yard with the leash still on. And then he removed the leash from the dog. He goes inside. And when he walks inside, he sees that the mop bucket is still out and full. After that, Scott said that he went outside to grab the mail. And that's when like he noticed Lacey's car in the driveway, which sounds weird, but that's what he said. He assumed that she was at her mom's house. So he took out some leftover pizza, poured himself a glass of milk and did a load of laundry, then went to go take a shower. Milk and pizza, that's a choice. So Scott said after he took a shower, he got ready and then he checked the answering machine. And that's when he realized that Ron had left a message for Lacey. And he said that he knew something was wrong like at that moment and he started to worry. Scott ends up calling Sharon and he's asking her like, hey, is Lacey, is Lacey there? And she says, no. Scott tells her that Lacey's car was there and that their dog was in the backyard with her leash on, just the whole thing, like it was weird. Sharon told him to call Lacey's friends. She realized that Scott used the word missing, Lacey's missing. And that's when she like just had this sinking feeling in her gut that something wasn't right. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen to today's story. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. So Sharon had Ron call the police, and while he was doing that, she got ready and she headed out to the dog park to see if maybe Lacey had fallen, she had gotten hurt, anything, you know? So Sharon tells Scott to meet her there, but he didn't arrive until much, much later with the police. So that night, about 70 to 80 people showed up to help search for Lacey. Sharon asked Scott like where she was that day. And he said that Lacey was supposed to go to the store, walk the dog, make gingerbread cookies, and that was really it. So Ron asked Scott like, did you go golfing? Scott says he didn't go golfing, he went fishing. Now Ron, again, an avid fisherman, he asked like what time did you go fishing at and Scott's like I went at 9 30 a.m which is a lie but Ron came back and said like that's what time you come home I think Ron kind of like knew something was up police questioned Scott um they go inside the home to take photos police thought it was weird that Scott came home and did a load of laundry he didn't like do a full load he just washed his own clothes now on top of the washer there were a bunch of dirty rags like a whole pile of dirty rags and in the bedroom there was a full basket of dirty clothes in the hamper it didn't mean anything but at the same time it was weird because why would he just wash his own clothes and not throw some of the other items from the laundry basket in there, or even the dirty rags that were literally sitting on top of the washer. I mean, you'd be surprised sometimes. So they're like, hmm, okay, what were you washing your clothes for? Hmm. Also on the dresser in the couple's bedroom, Lacey's jewelry was still there and her purse. Now Lacey always wore her jewelry. She had a couple of pieces that she only took off when she went to bed. If she was up, she was wearing her jewelry. So after searching the home and talking to Scott, that's when police had a feeling that he wasn't being fully honest, but they also had nothing on him. So, you know, they had to like let it be, but Police ask if, you know, they can go see Scott's office, his like warehouse area. Scott takes them out there. Inside, they find his boat, a homemade anchor, and signs that there were more anchors made like in the area, but they weren't there. The more police talk to Scott and the family, things just weren't making sense. Lacey was 27 at the time, eight months pregnant. Based off what everyone was saying, it seemed like she was having a difficult pregnancy towards the end. And the fact that she was up, possibly walking the dog or running around doing errands just wasn't making sense. Plus it was Christmas Eve. Most couples, married couples at least, have a laundry list of things to do before going to their family's house or having, you know, guests over. So why was Scott golfing? Police ask Lacey's family, like, hey, they pull them aside. They're like, hey, should we be looking into Scott a little bit more? Like, do you get any weird feelings about him? Lacey's family said, absolutely not. No, there's no way he did anything to her, like adamant that he was not the cause of Lacey's disappearance. The media got a hold of the story and it was literally everywhere, everywhere. Lacey's family would talk to the media and they believed that Lacey was still alive somewhere. They pleaded with the cameras, like trying to talk to whoever's watching the TV at home. If you're out there, if you took Lacey, just please like release her. And it's just heartbreaking to watch. 
but they really believed that somebody had kidnapped her and maybe were trying to hold her hostage to take her child. And at one point, Lacey's whole family and Scott did a TV interview where Lacey's parents are looking at, at the screen and saying like, if you have Lacey, please just let her go. Again, just truly believing that she's being held captive somewhere. And then they cut to Scott and Scott's just sitting there and he's like, well, she may not be coming back and we kind of like have to look at the possibilities. Scott, buddy, read the room, okay? He was literally the only one who said that, you can't pretend, Scott, you know? So investigators, they go back out to Scott's place of work. They're just trying to find something. Scott told investigators in the beginning that he would gladly take a polygraph test to prove that like he had nothing to hide, but they ask him again and he changes his mind. He's like, no, I don't want it. No, and Scott confesses that he didn't tell anyone about the boat he bought and that he was nervous to speak with them because of the the fact that he bought a boat without telling anyone. Also, his internet search history showed that he looked up the bay tides and waves that day. So they start looking around Scott's workplace and then they notice that there's a lot of things that were moved around and a little different from the last time that they were there. Someone had cleaned up a bit. This time though, police find some pliers in the boat, which had a long strand of black hair inside of them. Tons of tips were coming into police and about five different people said that they saw Scott out at the bay that day that Lacey went missing and nobody saw him golfing, golfing. So this is when Scott changes his story from golfing to now fishing. He was fishing. He's like, oh yeah, oops. On December 29th, Amber Fry, she was at a party and she was talking to some friends about like Scott and he's kind of, it's kind of suspicious, right? She's like just talking, whatever. And a friend that Amber's talking to recognizes Scott's name and tells Amber that he may be in connection with a missing woman. He then gives Amber a tip line number where you can call and like give any information about the case. So he gives that to Amber. So in December, it, <clears throat> it doesn't take long for Amber to call up the tip line. So she calls it up. And she's like, I've been having an affair with Scott. Now this is huge for police, okay? They're like, oh, hell yeah, jackpot. Because they didn't have anything on Scott at this time. While they have Amber on the line, they ask her like, hey, would you be willing to record your phone calls with Scott? And she agrees. Scott calls Amber on New Year's Eve. Mind you, he's at Lacey's candlelight vigil. They're having it at the park, okay? Scott's there. He calls up Amber, New Year's Eve. <laughs> Sorry, you get it. Anyways, so I just couldn't believe this is what he, uh, call, mm-hmm, yes, you get it. Anyway, so he calls her up. He tells her he's in Paris and it's just incredible. And the call is pretty short, it's not that long, but it was recorded, so, mm-hmm. You're not embarrassed. So meanwhile, during all of this, divers are searching the bay waters and over the course of the next few weeks, they would end up searching the waters 15 different times, but would come up with nothing. On another recorded phone call with Amber, she's expressing to Scott like how frustrated she is with him, that he lied, he was married and she was pregnant. She's telling this to Scott. He then tells Amber on the phone that he took a polygraph test and he passed it and that Lacey knew he was having an affair and she had accepted it. <laughs> what an idiot. Sure, buddy, sure. On January 13th, the media got word that there was a mistress involved. They ended up running a story about Amber. On January 24th, 
Amber was forced to come out to the public with a statement due to the harassment she was receiving. Many believed that she was doing this for attention, thought it was selfish, thought she was just trying to get something out of this. But Amber was like, people are accusing me of being involved and stuff. Like I have to come out and give a statement if I wanna take some control of her involvement. But even after she came out and gave her a statement, people still ripped her to shreds and thought it was for Again, for selfish reasons, you literally cannot win. So after Amber came forward, Lacey's family also came out with a public statement, now showing more doubt in Scott's story and his involvement. They really didn't think that he was responsible for this, like not at all. Police at this time had placed secretly a GPS tracker on Scott's car and they were following his every little move. Scott had made five different trips out to the Bay Marina. He would pull up to the same exact spot, sometimes staying there for a while and other times for just like a few minutes. Many believed that he was going out there to see if the police had found anything. Others thought that maybe he was going out there to look at the water and clear his mind. We're not really sure. All of the news about Lacey's disappearance, the affair, Scott being weird. There was so much media coverage on this, which led to Scott Peterson sitting down with Diane Sawyer for TV interview on January 20th. 28th, 2003. During this interview, he confessed to the affair, but said that he had told Amber the truth, that he was married and just tried to clear his name. Now during this inter <laughs> during the interview, Scott gets a little emotional and starts to cry. But of course, everyone at home was like ripping apart his little cry session because during the interview, he's like, tears are running down his face. But not once did he wipe the tears from his face. And I know that may sound dumb, but investigators explained it in a way I never thought of. He let the tears run down his face and most people would go and like wipe the tears. Like it's kind of, it's just a reaction. You really have to think about it. Like don't wipe the tears, let it drip. Especially if you're on TV, like you're already insecure that you have camera on you, there's lights, someone's interviewing you. Like you're already feeling kind of insecure. So most people would wipe their tears away, but Scott just let the tears stream down his face. It just felt like he wanted his tears to be seen. After this, Scott was laying pretty low, but then a car dealership comes forward saying that Scott just sold Lacey's car and then purchased a new truck. Not a good look. Two more women later come forward saying that they too also had an affair with Scott within the last couple of years. Both had similar stories. Scott would wine and dine them, make them feel real special. And then once they found out that he was actually married, they dumped him. In February of 2003, that's when police asked Amber to stop recording the calls with Scott. They were worried that it might be used against her if they go to court, but Amber's phone records show that he was still calling pretty damn often. On February 10th, that would have been Lacey's due date for baby Connor. With great sadness, the family and friends had a, another like candlelight vigil at the park for Lacey and Connor. February 10th was also Amber Fry's birthday. Scott spent his day getting Amber a birthday gift and trying to meet with her. On February 18th, police were able to get another search warrant for Scott's house. And they don't really find anything other than like Scott had subscribed to a bunch 
of porn channels on his TV. Of course, the media was like, oh my God, Satan, Satan loves porn. The media seemed to focus pretty heavily on this porn thing, a little too much. So they don't really find anything during this search, but they were able to get some of Lacey's hair from her hairbrush in hopes to match the hair in the pliers that were found at Scott's work. So they needed her hair. In March, that is when the forensic team was able to determine that the hair in the pliers was consistent with Lacey's hair in her hairbrush. But they couldn't say 100% it was hers because it did. It was missing the follicle. So on April 13th, on the northern side of the Bay Shore, a small body was found. And then the next day, a full body was found one mile south, washed up on the Bay Shore. Investigators confirm that it was indeed Lacey and Connor's body. Lacey's head and different limbs were missing. Connor was missing from Lacey's body, but for the most part, his body was in intact, which led investigators to believe that he may have been inside of Lacey for many months after their death. It's believed that Lacey was sunk with cement anchors, similar to the ones that Scott knew how to make. There is no official cause of death because her body was in such bad shape. And they also like never found anchors or anything. Oh my God, what if she wasn't even, what if, what if they just like dropped it there? Sorry. I was just thinking. Police felt they had enough evidence to make an arrest, but at this point, Scott was nowhere to be found, okay? He had disappeared. Luckily for police though, they were able to track Scott's whereabouts through his cell phone and realize that he was down in San Diego. Now they were trying to move fast because they were thinking that Scott was going to make a run for the border and head to Mexico. So they were trying to get out there quick. And they were able to locate Scott at a golf club and his appearance was completely different. He dyed his hair. He dyed all of his hair blonde, including his eyebrows. And now he had a goatee that he also dyed blonde. It was more like orange because he didn't tone. Scott at the time was also driving his parents' car. He said the reason that he was not driving his car was because he believed that there was a GPS on it, which there was, so he wasn't wrong. Inside the car, police found all kinds of camping gear, $15,000 in cash, three credit cards and his, his brother's passport and Viagra. Just gonna party. It was also weird um, because Scott brought a variety of dress clothes, like nice button up shirts, ties, dress shoes and dress pants. Like he was able to go from camping to dress attire. It was just a very odd mix or he was a good planner, I don't know. Scott said that he was living out of his car to avoid media attention and also dyed his hair because the media was following his every move and he couldn't do anything without people recognizing him. And he just wanted away from all of it. So he gets arrested, taken in, waiting for his trial, June 1st, 2004. The trial starts and it's a long one. So Scott's team was focusing on police and how they handled the whole case, saying that there was really no proof that Scott was the one who did this. No fingerprints, no DNA. The whole case against Scott was that he was having an affair and they found a strand of hair in his pliers. That was the evidence. They also tried to push a narrative that Lacey was most likely killed by a satanic cult because she was missing all of her limbs. Also, they focus on the fact that the divers searched the bay 15 times and found nothing, making them believe that she was placed there later on with Scott being tracked or followed everywhere. There was no chance for him to place the body in the bay without anyone seeing him. 
they were standing by the fact that there wasn't any physical evidence saying that Scott did this for sure, without a doubt. A forensic expert testified about the pliers with the hair strand in it. So prosecutors say that the hair most likely belonged to Lacey, but DNA couldn't fully prove that the hair belonged to Lacey because again, there was no root at the strand. A criminalist for the State Department of Justice testified that the tests she conducted on the pliers showed that the pliers had been used recently to cut anything. The forensic expert also testified that she saw no signs of blood or human tissue on the pliers. Scott's defense lawyers theorized that someone kidnapped Lacey, held her hostage until she gave birth and then dumped both bodies in the bay. The reason that they think this is because Scott was not home when Lacey was spotted walking the dog. There were 11 different witnesses in the neighborhood who saw Lacey walking the dog that morning. Police only questioned three of those witnesses. And if that's true, then then the blame shouldn't be put on Scott necessarily because Scott was at his office and they have record of that because of his computer. Amber Fry ends up testifying in court and she tells them everything. Jurors listened to the recordings of Scott and Amber's phone conversations, which just proved that she was telling the truth and that Scott was a liar. The prosecution presented Scott's affair, financial problems and fatherhood as motives for murdering. He killed Lacey due to his increasing debt and a desire to be single again. On November 12th, 2004, the jury convicted Scott of two counts of murder, first degree murder for killing killing Lacey and second degree murder for killing their baby. So the judge followed the jury's verdict, sentencing Scott to death by lethal injection, calling the murder of Lacey cruel, uncaring, heartless, and callous. So Scott's attorney filed a 423 page appeal of Scott's sentence, which he stated that the publicity surrounding the trial and other mistakes deprived Scott of a fair trial. On August 24th, 2020, the Supreme Court of California upheld Scott's conviction, but overturned his death sentence because Scott's trial judge had dismissed jurors who opposed capital punishment without asking them whether they could put their views aside. Supreme Court rulings say that jurors may not be excused merely for opposition to the death penalty. Scott will probably sit his pretty little ass in prison for the rest of his life. Now here's where I'm confused. Just hear me out before you make judgments because Listen, all signs point to Scott, right? I mean, it makes sense. He's having an affair. He doesn't maybe want a wife. He doesn't want a kid. Maybe he's freaking out. He's having like a pre-midlife crisis. And he's like, oh dear, what am I doing? And he freaks out and he probably, probably did some shit. But if you remember, this story was everywhere. And the media, newspapers, everywhere had determined that Scott Peterson was guilty before court even started. There was no way of avoiding this story. So how could he get a fair trial when everybody knew who he was, at least in the state, in the county. Like there was just no way, there was no way he could get a fair trial. There's not a lot of evidence pointing to Scott, just a strand of hair. There were 11 eyewitnesses who saw Lacey walking the dog that morning when Scott was at his warehouse. Investigators only questioned three of those witnesses, but didn't like further try and maybe put a story together where her timeline, like you, you didn't really hear much of her timeline, Lacey, because like they didn't really try and put any effort into figuring out what her day looked like. And did those people really see her? A lot of people believe 
that maybe she was killed by somebody else and placed in the water. They searched those waters 15 different times. I hate how by the end of the video, I'm like this low. And also what the hell happened to Lacey Peterson? They don't know. They really don't know. There's theories about what her day looked like, but what the heck? It's like one big mystery. I don't know you guys, this one has me all sorts of confused. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. Rest in peace to poor Lacey and baby Connor. I hope one day we find out what really happened because there's no sense of like closure with this story. Keeps me up this one. I'm like, what the fuck happened? I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Make good choices, please. And I'll be seeing you guys later. Bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.